Okay, if I can have everybody come on back in. And Pastor Allen's coming. He's going to share on home improvement. Everybody can grab a seat. All right. All right, we are ready to begin. If you'd like to come in and find a seat. So in case you haven't seen our postcards yet, uh, you can grab a whole bunch Back there on the table, there's a stack back there. You can take them along, invite your friends. Home improvement, God's guidance and wisdom for relationships, communication, families, and marriages. And we're kicking this off today. Next Sunday, Pastor Murrow is, is going to be talking especially to and about uh, men and their, the men, role of men. And then in two weeks, our own Lisa Hurst is preaching here on a Sunday morning, talking about women and how God empowers and, and gives strength to, to women to serve God. So you don't want to miss the next two Sundays. They're going to be really, really good. If you have your phone, you need this morning, you need a phone that has a camera. And uh, so I invite you to uh, be sure to take that out if you have it in your pocket. We also have... Uh, sermon notes that look like this. They're on the back table back there. So be sure to uh, grab some of those sermon notes. If you didn't get uh, one that uh, when you came in this morning, there's some on the back table. You can, you can go back and, and grab some or maybe one of the ushers can, uh, can uh, hand them out if uh, anyone needs sermon notes. So be sure to get those. You need those to follow along on the, on the PowerPoint uh, presentation this morning. I want to talk this morning about God's good plan for us in relationships. And, and we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 1, where God uh, is the story of, of creation, God creating the world, God creating all the different parts of, of creation. And, and I just love to read that story sometimes and, and see what God created each day. So we go through each day of creation for, from Genesis chapter 1. And, and day one, we see that God creates, anyone remember what God creates on the first day of creation? Light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. How would you like to have the power to just speak things into existence? Yeah, well, we sometimes, you know, God gives us uh, Holy Spirit power, but day one, God creates light. And then at the end of that time, God said it was good. And then day two, God creates sky and it was good. And day three, God creates land and the plants and trees and oceans. And it was good. And day four, God creates the sun, moon, and stars. And God looked around and said, it's good. Day five, God creates birds and sea creatures and it was good. Day six, God creates land animals, and God creates man, and God says, it's good. But immediately in Genesis chapter two, as creation is happening, God sees something in his creation that's not good. All the way through, it's good, it's good, it's good. But God discovers something in his creation that's not good. Did God make a mistake? Did God do something wrong? No. But God recognized the first problem that mankind encountered. And that problem was loneliness. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. That's really dark. God recognized the first problem. 
Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The problem was the man was encountering loneliness. And, and the Bible says that, that they, you know, God looked through, and as Adam named all the animals, that Adam noticed that not one of them was suitable for him. And so God creates woman, God creates Eve, and Eve was in every way, physically, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, relationally, suitable for Adam. They were suitable for each other. In fact, she was taken from and, and formed and fashioned from Adam's own flesh. So Eve needed Adam because she was formed from him, but Adam also needed Eve. They needed each other. And so God deliberately creates man and woman for each other. Genesis 1 and verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Did you ever stop to think much about what it means to be created in God's image? That you and I are created in God's image and what that means? First of all, you know, there are lots of explanations I think that we could, we could give as to what it means to be created in God's image. Uh, perhaps the first one is that every person, sort of distinct from animals and plants and leaves and rocks, that every person has inherent value and worth. So I can't look at another person and say, you're completely worthless. No, that person is created in God's image, and, and that person has built-in inherent worth and value. And that, what, that's what leads to Christian beliefs about life, about, about the, the, the uh, value of life even before children are born, and the value of life of elderly people, and the value of life of of handicapped people and, and all the value of life from, be, from conception all the way to, to death that we believe that, that all of life is sacred and that every person, no matter what stage of life they're, they're on or in, has inherent value and worth. So being created in God's image means that. Being created in God's image means that we have in some ways, a, a rationality and a cognitive capacity to be able to think and reason and plan and dream and, and uh, rejoice and sorrow like God does, and God does all those things. To be, able, to be created in God's image means that, that we can live in relationship more than perhaps a leaf can or a rock can, and, and that uh, uh, man and and men and women are given authority or dominion over creation, much more than, than any other part of creation can, can do or say. And, and then lastly, that, 
that man should reflect God's image and likeness. So to be created in God's image means that we should reflect who God is and what he looks like. So if you have a mirror, if you looked in the mirror this morning in the bathroom, you were perhaps able to think to yourself, this is what God looks like because I'm reflecting the image of God. And, and you look at yourself in the mirror and said, this is what God looks like. Now, unfortunately, there, there's a problem with that. You know, uh, back in, in uh, Bible times, a king would, would uh, fashion or, or have made a, a statue of, that looked like himself for people to worship. And, and, and so even when the king was sleeping or away on vacation, everyone could see what the king looked like. And, and they would uh, command their people to come and worship the, the statue uh, that bore the image of the king. And, and so we, are, we were intended, created in God's image, to bear the image or to look like our creator, to look like our king. And to be made in God's image sort of was intended to make each one of us a mirror to reflect what God is like to the world around us. So anyone looking at you ought to be able to clearly see God because you're a mirror reflecting God's image. But, but there's a problem with that because sin came into the world and messed up, messed up that mirror, messed up that reflection so, so that people don't reflect God's image very clearly anymore. Sin messed that up. It's sort of like, uh, you ever go to a fun house and see one of those weird mirrors that, that are all curved and, and that make you look sort of fat and tall and, and short and everything all at the same time? Or if you're on the internet and like to play with pictures, there's that thing called, uh, you know, you take someone's face and you make it all, what's it called? Face warp, face warp, photo warp uh, software that, that twists and, and distorts your your, your face, let me see if I have a, a, I think I have a, there we go, yeah. So it's even hard to look at, isn't it? It's like, it, it's really, really weird. So you take the software and put your photo in, and then you can do all kinds of things with your face to make it weird looking. Okay, that's what sin does, so we no longer appear in God's image. Because we ought to, we ought to reflect God's image, and instead people look at us and they see that instead, and it's like, that's what sin does. So we no longer reflect, reflect God's, God's image and we no longer act or, or look like we were made in, in God's image. But, but the good news of the Bible, the good news of, of the New Testament is that we can be restored to uh, the image of Jesus. We can be restored to the image of God and, and we, come, we come to faith in God, God changes our lives so that we can come into relationship with God. Now, we're talking about relationships here this morning. And, and so, God himself is someone who exists in perfect relationship. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God, God exists as one God, but in three persons. And yet, these three persons of God exist together in perfect, complete intimacy and, and union and harmony and, and communication. We see the, the stories of, of 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interacting with each other. Like when Jesus was baptized in, in Luke chapter 3, and he was going down under the water, Jesus, God the Son, and this voice comes out of heaven speaking as God the Father speaking, and, and the voice came from heaven, You are my Son, who I love, with you I am well pleased. And, and then the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily form like a dove. And then 2 Corinthians 13, 14 Paul gives this blessing or this, this uh, uh, commendation to, to his people saying, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So because God himself exists in perfect relationship, God created all of us to be in relationships and in family as well. So you weren't designed to live in isolation all by yourself long term. You weren't designed to live all alone all by yourself. Now, I don't know what age you are this morning. Perhaps you're in middle school. Perhaps you're in high school. Perhaps you're in young adult years. And, and you may be single here this morning, and that, that's okay. You may hope to marry someday, or, or perhaps you are called and blessed to a, a life of singleness. That's completely fine, too. But each of us are still made to live in relationships, from middle school all the way up to senior citizens and children and babies were made to live in relationships. And that's what makes being part of a, a youth group, being part of a small group, being part of a church family so important because we need each other in those relationships. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. We need each other to help each other, to, to uh, sharpen each other. But guess what? Satan knows this. And, and Satan's schemes are to break relationships. Satan's schemes are to cause isolation. Satan's schemes are to tear apart Marriages. Satan's schemes are to tear apart friendships. Satan's schemes are to tear, tear apart small groups and churches. Satan's schemes are to cause people and nations to hate each other and go to war with each other. Satan's schemes are to, to distort God's plan to make it look like something else than what God originally intended. And not only that, but, but Satan lies to people. And, and Satan says... Uh, plants, thoughts, or, or uh, words in your mind, things like, I will always be alone, or no one cares for me, or I will never have friends, or I will never have good and caring relationships. So Satan has schemes to break relationships, and Satan has lies that he speaks to us about being alone and about not having relationships. So, we see that God created family. That's natural physical family, that's adoptive family, that's church family, that's small groups. But, but family is God's idea. And, and uh, family is, God created family to fill that deep need inside each of us for closeness, for togetherness, for companionship, for intimacy, because we have that deep need inside of us. And, 
And someone says the definition of a friend is someone who knows everything about us and still likes us anyway. You know, if you have a good friend, they, they still like you even knowing about your, all your faults and everything that's wrong with you. So, if you think about life, you realize that human relationships can provide the most amazing joy or, or the most horrible conflict. That's just the way it is with human relationships. You know, entire wars have been fought over broken human relationships. Thousands, millions of people have died over broken human relationships. And so the question for, for us this morning as we talk about family, as we talk about relationships, talk about people at work, talk about people at school, uh, talk about your boss, is how can I get along with people with, uh, with whom I, I may not naturally get along. In fact, how do I get along with, with people who are just plain mean and grumpy and, and difficult? I don't know if you, you probably don't have any of those kinds of people in your lives. I hope the, the difficult person is not you here this morning. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm talking maybe about your boss or your employees or, or those crazy drivers on the road, okay? Uh, I don't know if you've ever run into any of, any of those. Or a, a store clerk who's just completely uncaring or, or a customer who, who's just impossible and expects everything. And you can fill in the blank all the way down through of uh, you know, uh, patients in the hospital or doctor's office who are just impossible and, and all the way down through. I'm sure you can fill in the blank of mean, grumpy, impossible people. And so what is our, what is our standard? What is uh, uh, the Bible saying to us, to Christians, about getting along with impossible people? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. This section of verses describes the nature and character and personality of God himself. And so we could easily take this scripture and fill in the word God wherever the word love is. And we could have it say, God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God is not irritable or resentful. God rejoices with the truth. And so, when I believe in Jesus and God's Spirit comes to live inside of me, then God gives me the strength and power and desire to, to live like Him and, and, and to look like Him. Now, one of the most shocking things Jesus told his followers in the New Testament comes from Matthew chapter 5. Probably one of the most difficult things that Jesus ever told his followers to do. Matthew chapter 5, where he said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The most shocking thing he ever said. No other great teacher in history taught this. Not only are Christ's followers to love each other, 
to love their spouses and their children. Not only are they supposed to love and care for orphans and widows and, and the needy inside the church and outside the church, not only are they supposed to do all that, they're supposed to also, what, love strangers in need that you run across as you move through life, you know, sort of like the Good Samaritan. You're supposed to do all those things, not just all those, but Christ followers are to love their enemies, the people who actively hate us, hate you, those who hate them, those who wish them to die or to fail. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God do this? Does God love his enemies? Answer, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, at one point or another, each one of us was an enemy of God. Absolutely. Romans 5 and and verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That means that each one of us was an enemy of God at one time. And guess what? God still loved us. God loves his enemies. God loves each one of us and me and and. God loves his enemies, and and we, at one time or another, were enemies of God. And so so God followers are not only to love their enemies, but they are to also do what? Back up. Not only love your enemies, but do what? Pray for them. Lord, I hope that lightning strikes him today in the name of Jesus. No, it's it's not praying evil on them. It's praying good on them. It's praying blessing on them. In the name of Jesus, I pray blessing on my enemy today. I pray that he does well. I pray that he, does, he prospers. His marriage does well. His children do well. Her marriage uh, uh, prospers and, and the business flourishes. We're supposed to pray for them. Pray for those who hate us and pray for those who persecute us. Now, another question that comes right along, if you... If you uh, don't have someone in mind already, is who are our enemies? And there could be lots of answers to that. Perhaps worldwide enemies of our, of our nation. Perhaps it's those who fight with all their power against everything Christians stand for. Perhaps it's those who, who see Christian beliefs and values and, and laugh and jeer and mock those who, who adhere to Christian values. And so how do we respond? It's really easy to get caught up in the, in the shouting and the, the protest and the counter-protest and, and returning anger and bitterness in kind. When it gets dumped on us, just fire back in the same spirit. Whether physically holding signs in the streets or on social media, whether it's, you know, I believe today it's even more powerful to attack to shout, to bully, and, and to spread hatred from a smartphone or a laptop than it is holding a sign in the street because it can be seen around the world instantly and have an audience of, of millions of people. So how do we respond when we are hated? And so what standard governs our relationships? What standard governs the actions of Christ's followers? Well, first of all, don't Speak curses over yourself. Don't be someone who says, I'm never patient. I could never be patient. I will never be patient. Well, that's just like speaking curses over yourself. Because I believe that, that uh, God wants to work in you. And God wants to change your heart. And God wants to change the way you act. And God wants to change your mind. And so instead, 
Speak the character of Jesus over yourself. So remember that, that list again, those nine things? So we said, first of all, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. Then we said we could fill in God in there, and we say God is patient and God is kind because that's his character and that's his nature. And then we could begin speaking these words, not as a curse, but a blessing over ourselves. And we can begin speaking the nature and character of God over each one of our own lives. And, and I can confess over myself, even if I'm not there yet, even if I've only done 2% of it, that I can begin speaking over myself, I am patient and I am kind. And I do not envy or boast. And I'm not arrogant. I'm not rude. I don't insist on my own way. I'm not irritable. I'm not resentful. I don't rejoice with wrongdoing. I rejoice with the truth. And please understand, you can't do this on your own. You, you only change on the inside when, when God comes inside of you. And it, I just want to challenge you this morning, if you've got your phone, if you've got a camera on your phone, I want to challenge you this morning to take a picture of those nine things. So can we do that? So what I want to encourage you to do this week, this is your homework from this sermon this week. I want you to take a photo of those, of those nine things, whether it's on your paper or if it's up here on the screen. Take a photo of that and either keep it as a photo on your phone or set it as your, better yet, set it as your wallpaper on your phone. And every day I want to encourage you to go on to your phone and I want you to speak that, those words over yourself. And I want you to tell yourself, I am patient and I am kind. I do not envy or boast. I'm not arrogant. I am not rude. I don't insist on my own way. I am not irritable. I'm not resentful. I don't rejoice with wrongdoing. I rejoice with the truth. And just begin speaking the word of God over yourself. Over and over, day after day, speak that word of God over yourself and see how God and His Spirit begin changing your thoughts, begin changing your attitudes, begin changing your mind, begin changing your spirit deep inside. Because the word of God changes us. The word of God has power. The spirit of God has power to change us and to, to wash through our, our minds and to make us into different people. So I encourage you this morning... To, to let the Word of God wash over you this week. Uh, again, re remember that you can't do this on your own. Only God is doing this on, on the inside. And you can't change yourself on the inside. Jesus called it, when, when God comes to live inside of us, Jesus called it being born again, which really means just believing in Jesus as your Savior and your King and your Lord. So as we wrap up here this morning talking about uh, just the first step and many steps about relationships and family and, and communication and, and uh, uh, marriages, I want to encourage you and I want to invite you to take that first step if you've never done that. If you've never took, taken that step to, to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, perhaps you've been far away from God and, and sensing like, I need to take a step back towards God again. 
And if you've never done that, you've been far from God, you want to rededicate your life to Him, I'd just like to lead us in prayer this morning. Would you stand to your feet? And, and I'd just like you to, to bow your head, close your eyes. And as I pray, I'd just invite you to, to pray along with me this morning, perhaps just quietly in, in your heart. And I invite you to pray, Father, today I believe. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. Today I turn away from all I know to be wrong. Today I believe in Jesus as my Savior. Please forgive me. Help me to live for you. Please give me the gift of Holy Spirit to live in me. So we're going to be here to pray with you this morning. And, and I believe that, that, that perhaps there are many of you who uh, need prayer for relationships, need prayer for um, those, those mean people who are in your lives and, and just the, the challenge of, of being able to live with them and, and those who are, are wa- walking through just difficult times in relationships. We'd like to pray with you. We'd like to pray with you if you've believed in Jesus or you want to rededicate your life to, to God this morning. So I'd like to invite prayer ministers to come. We're going to be here to pray with you. And I, I just invite you to speak those words over yourself this week. Speak the word of God over you, yourself this week and declare over yourself that I, I am patient. I am kind. I am uh, the person that, that God is uh, uh, making me to be. And I'm on the path of, of becoming even more Christ-like. So Lord, I bless this church family as we go from here this morning. I pray that you just continue to Bring forth uh, new fruit of Christ-likeness in each of our lives, Lord. Uh, Lord, that, that fruit of, of love, of patience, of kindness, that whole list would, would just sink deeply into our, our hearts, Lord, th- today. Lord, I pray for those who may have believed in Jesus for the first time or, or rededicated their lives to Jesus today, Lord. We pray uh, for this church family as we go out from here, loving our enemies, loving, difficult people. Lord, would you help us? Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray with you here this morning.